0: Hello, everyone. This is Bola, founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about real estate and home ownership. And I have one of my really close friends on here to have this conversation with me. I am so excited to have her on the podcast because we had been talking about it for months before we were actually able to make it happen based on our busy schedules. So, my friend and an amazing real estate expert who's going to be on the show today is Petal Van Rossom. She's a licensed real estate broker at Citizens International Realty which is a family-owned and run real estate company located in Brooklyn, New York, which she runs alongside her brother, Raul, and with an incredible staff. And she's also a graduate of Pace University in New York City and is married with two beautifully handsome little boys that I love so much. And so on this episode, Petal talks about how to prepare to buy your first home or just any home in general, including the type of documentation you need to have and what state your finances should be in. She also discusses some of the biggest mistakes she sees people making during the process of buying their homes. And she talks about some of the main issues that prevent people from being able to actually get into real estate, that prevent them from being able to call themselves homeowners. And we also get into a ton of advice for first-time home buyers and so much more. This was an awesome conversation. It's full of so much for those of you who are thinking about purchasing your first home or second home or just trying to get a feel and understanding of how to be prepared to get into real estate. But before we get into the episode, there are a couple of things that I wanted to share with you. So Number one, if you are loving this podcast and you haven't yet subscribed, you can do that on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and you can also subscribe to the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel and listen to episodes and watch other videos there as well. Uh, number two, the Clever Girl Finance book launches on June twenty fifth, and I cannot wait. I am super excited for this book to be available. It is going to be available everywhere books are sold, and you can pre order your copy at clevergirlfinance.com/book. The other really awesome thing is that this book is going to be available as an audiobook. So a lot of you who are um audiobook listeners out there have been asking me, is this book going to be an Audible? You know, and the answer is yes. I just got approved for that, and so I will be recording the audio in the next few weeks, and it will be launching with the actual physical uh, copy of the book and the ebook version as well. So if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, head over to clevergirlfinancecom book to pre-order. And finally, if it's been a while since you visited Clever Girl Finance, stop by. We're adding brand new courses every single month and as I mentioned on previous episodes of the podcast, we recently just turned on our one-on-one mentorship, um, which basically means that if you are a member of Clever Girl Finance, you can schedule time to talk to one of our incredible Clever Girl Finance mentors at any time. And our mentors are there to encourage you, to motivate you, to support you, or even just to have some girl talk with you. Um, And basically the goal of having these mentors available to you as part of your membership is so that you can get the support and encouragement that you need as you go through this journey of improving your finances and building wealth. Because as you know, this journey is not a walk in the park. It is not easy. And sometimes you just need someone to hear you out, to vent, to to keep you accountable. And that is what our mentors are there for. So head over to cleverwellfinance.com and check it out. So let's get into this episode with Petal. Hey, Petal. Hi, Bola. How are you? I'm doing great, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Welcome to the Clever Girls Know Podcast. I'm excited to have you on here to talk about home buying. You're actually, I think, our first guest to come on to have a conversation with us about buying a home and how to make sure that you're well-prepared and things you should be thinking about. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to everyone, tell them who you are and what you do. Nice, thank
1: you. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm Petal Van Rossum. I am a licensed real estate broker in Brooklyn, New York. My brother and I are both brokers and operate the business that our dad opened about 22 years ago in 1997. I graduated from Pace University with a bachelor's in business administration and a minor in law. My brother graduated from Baruch with a degree in business admin as well with a concentration in real estate development. And um, as I said, we're both real estate brokers. We work with our clients to get them into homes, commercial, residential. And we also do leases, rental leases for commercial and residential properties. And we've been doing this for probably over a decade now. We're located in Brooklyn, New York on Beverly Road off of Nostrand Avenue.
0: So I love this. And you talked about taking on the business from your dad who started this 20 plus years ago. And that's just Mm -hmm. essentially your dad passing on a legacy, you know, like not just something that he built, but also passing on a legacy where you guys can now sustain yourself and also passing down wealth. And I think that's so um, um, something that definitely needs to be commended, um, especially, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for, you know, minorities, us having the opportunity to get that from our parents. So I think that's awesome that you're working in a family-owned business that has been around for two de- two decades plus. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> awesome. thank you, thank you. It's um, We have a, f- yeah, we definitely have a family dynamic here, but we have a staff, we have administrative assistants, we have other agents that work with us that we train intensively and closely And, um, but the dynamic is we're all family whether it's blood or not, um, and we're all about community. We really are about community. And that is something that our dad, Lyndon passed down to us. It's really community enrichment. And if you open a door and you can walk through it, leaving the door open to help others in our community. So that's very important to us.
0: That's really awesome. Okay, so let's get into the gist of our conversation. So buying a home is a huge undertaking. Financially, it's a big commitment. Um, You know, you now become your own landlord and that comes with not just the financial aspect, but being able to just, you know, the documentation, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for someone who is looking into buying their first home, right? What are some Mm -hmm. things they need to do to prepare, to get ready, to make sure that, um, You know, they have all their ducks in a row. Okay.
1: So when someone is looking to purchase their first home, in order to have all their ducks in a row, the first step, as you said, is to understand that this is a financial decision. This is a financial decision. I understand that a lot of people in speaking to them, they think that it's so emotional and it's just about what I need. I need three bedrooms, two bathrooms, a driveway, a garage, a white picket fence, and all of these things. And it's not driven by that. It's driven by your financial snapshot. And when I say a financial snapshot, I really mean everything. Your tax returns, your bank statements, your income, your savings. And the banks look at something that compares how much you make to how much you give out, how much you spend every month. Um, In banking terms, that's called a debt-to-income ratio, where they really pull your credit report and compare if after all your debts are paid, what is the surplus? What is the positive amount of money that you have every month? That is what they qualify you on, not just solely on what you net. So understanding that is the first step in preparing to purchase a home.
0: I think that's really important. Um, you know, if there is w- one of the conversations I have with people is a lot around the emotion of buying a home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people ho- ho- owning that home, home ownership is like this I don't know, it's like this really shiny object. And then they let, mm-hmm. you know, in many cases, they allow their emotions to cloud. Their judgment when it comes to purchasing home. Well, you know, I want a specific neighborhood, and I want a specific mm-hmm. type of house. And it, has it. it has to have these specific amenities in them. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you don't have the education and the knowledge, you your decisions around purchasing a home can be short sighted. Um, and mm-hmm. also, some people feel like because you know they grew up in a neighborhood or they're moving to a neighborhood that, regardless of what the cost of the house is, they're going to just figure it out, qualify for the loan, and then figure it out how figure out how to pay for it. And then when they purchase the house, they end up being really, really tight financially because they just Mm -hmm. bought more house than they could afford to pay for. And the one thing you talked about was like knowing your finances and, you know, looking at your, your, um, debt to income ratio. The one thing that I want to highlight there is that when you look at your debt to income ratio, just because let's say you make $2,000 um every month for mm-hmm. example and all your debts are $1000 these are all of your outgoing expenses the one error people mm-hmm. forget to factor in is the fact that yes you've paid your um you know your car note your insurance bill but on that um you know debt to income ratio the standard bank document doesn't talk about the things that you want to do outside of purchasing the home it doesn't talk about how much mm-hmm you want to be saving for that vacation or for your kids' college or you know, to exactly. to bulk up your emergency exactly. fund because those are not actual debts and the bank is not really they don't really sit down and say, oh, let's talk about your personal budget. They want to just right. your obligation. So it's important to keep that in mind that even though you have, you know, let's say all of your debts are a thousand dollars and you have a thousand dollars left over, that entire thousand dollars is doesn't mean that cannot, you cannot afford yes. the house, right? <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. That's exactly why people need to sign up with Clever Girl Finance and understand these things because people think, oh no, but I have this surplus. Yeah. And in addition to that and your personal wants and needs, you are also going to have another bill, other bills besides your mortgage, right? You're going to have exactly. utility bills now. Like you said, home you're warranty, not, you're the landlord insurance. now. Home warranty, home insurance. Water bill, light bill, gas bill. Yep. Uh, Exactly. Garbage collection. Your taxes. (laughs) Your taxes. Exactly. It gets deep. So, understanding that is so pivotal and will save so many people time, effort, energy, and frustration when they understand their real financial snapshot, like you said, and where they need to be in addition to realizing what the debt to income ratio is Mm -hmm. very important
0: so the current house that we live in right now this is our third home purchase and I remember when I was buying my first home um I was Mm -hmm. in my I I was like 24 25 years old it was a condo and I remember being presented with all the different requirements that the bank needed um, from a documentation mm-hmm. perspective, and for me, the reason why I kind of geeked out on buying that house was because I was very terrified. Right? I was terrified of the fact mm-hmm. that I was buying. I think the the purchase price of that home at the time was one hundred um, and forty thousand dollars, and I was terrified that I was taking on this big, massive mortgage. To me, it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I was terrified of, about the fact that you know I I had gone like. Um, going through the talking to the mortgage broker, I had gotten an amortization schedule and I was terrified about the fact that I was going to be paying all this money in interest. Um, And so I just really spent time really understanding, okay, what are my different loan options, which you have to do, because at the end of the day, you're going to make you know, mortgage brokers and real estate folks like you who really care, who are about you know empowering their customers to make smart decisions. But then there's also right. out there who are just about their bottom line. I need to sell 10 houses this because I need to make a commission. I need to close on five loans this month because I need to make a commission at you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter the cost. I don't care about the person on the other side. So it's being mindful. And so when I was talking to those, you know, loan uh, mortgage brokers, I had to ask, you know, I just because I was so terrified, I, I forced myself to ask a lot of questions like, you know, this interest rate, this interest rate, this type of loan versus that type of loan. And I actually got informed. And I feel like if I hadn't done that, I could have very easily gotten myself into, you know, mm-hmm. like some kind of, at the time, adjustable mortgage Adjustable rate mortgages were really um, popular. Where yes, those are the yeah. loans where, you Come know, on. after two years, five years, um, the interest it's rate changes. But as a first time mm-hmm. home buyer, I, I didn't really know what that was. And I wouldn't have known unless I spent the time to research what that meant. Like, what does it mean when the interest rate changes after five years or after three years? Um hmm. So, So for someone who is kind of getting themselves together, right? Everybody knows you need a down payment. That's highly advised. Get your 10%, 20%, start saving for that. As much as you can, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But in terms of like Mm -hmm. other types of documentation, right? Because one complaint I get from people in your industry is, they get people who come to say they want to buy a house, but they waste their time because they're not prepared with the right documentation. So, what is, mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is the type of, what, are, what kinds of documentation do you need um, someone to have so that you can get the process moving along and, you know, just done?
1: <laughs> yeah. So in order to, Again, that preparation process. So basically what your financial documentation is, your financial documentation would be your last month's worth of income. So your last month's worth of pay stubs. If you get paid weekly or bi-weekly, it's one month's worth of pay stubs. Um, Two years, most recent tax returns and W-2. The full tax return, all pages, not just the W-2 because that's something else that people have to be mindful of is how you file your taxes. Um, you may make, let's say you make $100,000 a year, but you're claiming a lot of expenses. You're claiming a lot of unreimbursed expenses. You have a lot of different, different claims. So you're saying you come home with 25000 because you don't, you know, you want to reduce your tax debt. The bank looks at all of those things and takes it into consideration. Your credit report, which is basically you providing your social and a government issued ID, along with. 2 months bank statements. That is where the bank will see what your reserves are. Because someone can easily say, oh, yeah, I have 10% down or I have 20% down, but do you have it cash on hand? Meaning, can you take this out of the bank? If we're closing next week, can you get your hands on it? Or is it in a 401k or an annuity where you need a contract to actually even access that money. And you have to provide that to your 401k providers or your um, annuity holders. So basically the first steps again, is the financial screenshot and knowing where your documents are, having everything in folders, having everything organized. So when you do meet with that mortgage banker, you are able to provide these things clearly and answer their questions and ask questions. Based on this, what's the best loan for me to qualify for? You know, oh, I heard that there's a teacher next door loan, or I heard that there's a police officer grant, or I heard that there's a grant from Goldman Sachs for different things. Um, asking those questions and tapping into it, there are a lot of first-time homebuyer grants, but there are also a lot of parameters to fit into to be able to access those grants, mm-hmm. income parameters, location parameters, especially in New York City. You know, there it's so so much so many things happening with buildings and things coming up in different neighborhoods, and everywhere is just being so built up and so developed. So they are giving grants for certain zip codes in certain neighborhoods for teachers and police officers and um, young professionals to move into these areas that thrive. So understanding where you're moving to and being prepared financially with your financial screenshot would be the best advice I can give a first-time home buyer. Being organized overall.
0: So, you know, in terms of having all that documentation, you know, the great points, great tips about having, you know, your bank statements, your pay stubs, et cetera. And the, the mortgage brokers want to be able to determine that you are who you say you are <laughs> and that exactly
1: no you have fraud. financial history,
0: right? Because, when you think about it from their perspective, they're giving you a loan that is in a large amount with the expectation that Mm -hmm. you're going to pay it back. And having all your financial documents in place shows that you are legally... allowed to purchase this home, you know, you can buy the home, but also you are not going to be a liability or risk to them and you can pay back, um, this loan to them. That's why they want all this information. Um, you know, just going back to my personal experience, buying this home that we live in now, especially coming Mm -hmm. on the, you know, on the other side of the housing market collapse, um, we had to go through a ton of like, just background checking from the bank they mm-hmm. wanted to know um, yeah, they, when we were mm-hmm. when we moved savings from one account to our down payment account where did that money come from how long has it been in that other account xyz mm-hmm. you know it was in my husband and i we actually combined um money for our down payment and they when we put the when we transferred the money from our individual accounts into our um deposit account account. that we're going to use Mm -hmm. to make deposit the bank that we were getting our mortgage through actually wanted me to write a letter to my husband and my husband to write a letter to me stating that we are agreeing Mm. to combine these assets which was really crazy but at the time there was a ton Mm -hmm. of money in the industry and so you know Mm -hmm. they, they need to be able to see your history and and check you Absolutely. Out. Exactly. So, <laughs> definitely want to yeah, have I, all that documentation because it, it's it just helps you c- cut out the amount of time they will actually you know the, the amount of time that it you go through the process because sometimes it can just be like weeks of just oh where's this waiting paper? for That's documents mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah don't need that <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that
1: takes so much away and I explain it to first time buyers when we do our home buying seminars. Sometimes people take it so personally, like, oh, but I gave you that already, or oh, why do you need this? And as you said, they are lending you an obscene amount of money. Mm-hmm. Someone's lending you $500,000, especially in Brooklyn. You know, an average single family house is about $500,000, a two family, maybe $650,000. So if someone is lending you half a million dollars. Absolutely, they're going to ask you for every piece of information. Yep. Maybe even your firstborn because it's so much so you have to be you have to be um, patient. You have to be willing and you have to be understanding of the bank's perspective. They don't know they don't know you. And from Adam. <laughs> for them it's yeah. They don't even matter. Exactly. For them it's there's no emotion of involved. It has to make sense on paper and it has to line up and add up in order for them to be approved to give you this money and they know that you want to pay it back and you have to have the means to pay it back. No bank goes and gives someone a loan looking for it to foreclose. It that's no, a lose lose situation. Not, yeah.
0: And I remember, you know, going yeah. through the process of buying this house like I said, you know, crazy process. I remember actually getting upset mm-hmm. like, do they think that we don't have this money? Do you you know, do they think that we can't afford this down payment because we put a really substantial down payment down in our house and I was like, we have all mm-hmm. the proof that we've earned this money. We have this income in the bank. Like, what is this? Like, you know, we're putting down more money on this house than the average person does. And I was getting upset right. and I, I had to like rewind, select and be like, guess what, Bola? If you are loaning somebody yeah. this amount of money, I would want to know yeah. their entire yeah. generational history. history <laughs> right. right. Like, oh, so I know how to get my money. social. <laughs> right. Like, Give me your mother's social
1: and your dad's too. Thanks. Tell me your grandfather's yeah.
0: date of birth. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so, it's,
1: it's, it's deep. Yeah. So I always try to let people know listen, it's not personal for the bank at all. It totally has to make sense. And they need to verify everything so their butts aren't on the line with with um their bosses and, and the heads and the VPs and all these things. Because no one, like I said, no bank lends anyone money thinking that they're going to default on the loan. That's, the polar opposite of what they want they want you to pay your loan on time even if you can pay a little extra over the interest in your monthly payments and just be a good client that pays on time that's the goal so in order to verify that they're going to ask you for a lot of information just be prepared to give it and give it with a smile
0: (laughs) yeah because you need to give it anyway you know yeah Mm -hmm. so talking about things (laughs) so talking about the things that people should have um you know, mm-hmm. I, I kinda wanna segue into the mistakes that people make um when it comes to buying mm. So given your experience and your background doing this for all these years, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see first-time homebuyers making as they're going through this process with you guys?
1: Um, some of the biggest mistakes that first time home buyers make, or even girl, even seasoned home buyers like yourself, this was like your third purchase and you still felt some frustration is um, not being honest with themselves or their realtor. Mm -hmm. So essentially shopping for a house, maybe that's more than they can practically afford or thinking, okay, um, I have this savings. I did the math myself. I did 10% of this. I have the money. And then they come to a realtor and they look and they really did not go through that first step of being financially educated. And like I said to you, we both agreed earlier, knowing. Other expenses, like some people really just think, I make 60000 a year, I have $25,000 saved, of course I can get a house. But when you dig deeper into the mortgage world and look at how things are gonna go for you to obtain financing, sometimes we find people a property, they're in contract, and they can't get a commitment for the loan. Oh, another huge mistake that people make is they put things on their credit. They co-sign for people, Oh well my uncle said I can co sign to get him a car and then he'll sell the car and he'll pay me back. Absolutely not. Or they buy furniture before they even bought the house. Or they put it's put just it on insane their that they, Yeah, and put it on their credit or go open a I don't know, a Bloomingdale's card or something like all. Oh, and it's just like you cannot do these things prior to buying a home. You can't mess with your credit. You have to keep your credit as A one possi- as possible. You cannot um, borrow from your 401k. A lot of people don't understand that when you borrow from your 401k, you're not retired. You have to pay that back. Some people don't feel it because it automatically comes out of their paycheck, depending on who they're employed with. But that also reduces your income. And the bank looks at that as well. Um,
0: And the opportunity for that is is massive. Like, fine, your income is huge. You got the loan, but there is all these one, two, three, four, five years where you've taken out this loan yes. and you're paying yourself back where your money is not in the stock market working for you or not taking advantage of dividends or compound interest. That's, that's, that's a huge, it could be massively impactful to your, your long-term, you know, retirement planning. I, I'm not a exactly. fan of 401k loans to purchase a home. Wait until you can actually save the money to purchase. That's, that's just my, you know, um, no, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. People do it. People do it all the time. And I'm like, okay,
1: you know, I agree. You should wait and build it up and, you know, have a budget and a smart savings plan. And you can learn all those things at Clever Girl Finance. Thanks and, for that. Shout out. You know, out. figure it out. Hello? Like, figure it out. with But um, yeah, so those are some mistakes. Putting things on your credit, doing things prematurely and not being upfront. Mm-hmm. those are definite and co-signing do not co-sign, co-sign for anyone's house or loan or car yeah don't do that no definitely yeah. don't do that yeah um, so those are some of the mistakes
0: from from my conversations with women i i you know there're two other mistakes that i i see pretty often um mm-hmm. i'll just add them to what you said um the first one is you know You've sat down by yourself or with your significant other. You've created a budget of how much house you can afford. You've done everything you need to do the right way to make sure that okay, when you go into the mortgage broker's office and to your real estate agent, you have everything set, you have your down payment, and then you go through the pre-qualification process with the mortgage broker. And, you know, you had already told yourself the house we're buying is 500000 dollars But then the mortgage broker says, Oh, but you can qualify for a million dollars. And mm-hmm. you just, compl- like everything you had planned, like, you know, your financial plan goes out the window because you're like, wait a minute, I can buy that dream house. And, you know, mm-hmm. I can just, I'm being told I can afford it, but you haven't really gone back to look at the numbers to determine you can afford it. And because you had already created a plan of what you could afford, you most likely can not afford it, cannot afford it. Um, And so I feel like that's right. what you'll say getting swayed off of your plan because of this is what you're being told you can qualify for. <laughs> <laughs> so right that's, that's right,
1: exactly. And then that's the true. other
0: one is um you know people getting caught up with when they have to buy a house. I need oh, to buy the house indeed. this year cuz I need to move out of mm-hmm. my parents basement. You're you're living mm-hmm. Oh, I need to buy the house because I watched somebody on CNBC and they said that, you know, home prices Now's are going down or interest rates are going up or interest rates are going down. Are going down. When mm-hmm. they start thinking about all those kinds of things, they forget about the fact that yeah. you have to bring it back to your personal economy, right? You're going to stay Agreed. in the neighborhood for the next few years. Are you, you know, are you, are you going to... Um, are you going to be able to come up with a down payment in the amount of time? Is your credit in good condition? You know, all these factors, you have to ask yourself, are you planning to get married in a couple of years? And you know, that marriage is going to take you out of state. You know, all these Mm -hmm. factors are in, is this the house that you want to buy because interest rates are so low now? Is this actually the house that you want, right? You find yourself in a house that You you hate, but you felt you had to buy Mm -hmm. because you were getting a deal. It's like it's like how we shop the sales, right? Um, (laughs) Right. We would never have bought that thing ever. Never. It was like so cheap. right you know what? We'll make it work. It's kind of tight, but I can put a safety pin. Tight, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll just leave this button open so it doesn't look like I'm popping out. Like that's the kind of yeah.
1: You have
0: to all those things. I think those are two. Like people get caught up in this timing that you buy a house when you're ready not because of what agreed with you know a hundred
1: percent ready mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah ready we, we. exactly go ahead sorry
1: <laughs> no sorry but you're right that ready we um coined a phrase here a home buyer has to be ready willing and able so that ready part is so important it's pivotal in buying a house you're right and you're right. Some people get caught up in the hype and, oh, well, my friend bought a house and I'm the age now. I should be a homeowner by this age. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's just not the right mindset to go into it with. It's not, you trip yourself up every time.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally so- agree with those you you guys talked about well you talked about the fact that you guys are very community focused and you you know you're all about putting your client first and opening the doors for them and educating them what type of specific education do you provide to your first time buyers or do you recommend your first time home buyers take
1: oh great question so we have so many tools for education. We recommend, we definitely recommend first-time homebuyer courses. Um, again, in Brooklyn, New York, there's so many nonprofits that work with, we work with as NHS, Neighborhood Housing Services. We work with DC 37, which is one of the largest unions in New York City. Um, we also work with Pratt Community Council. We also work with Senator Kevin Parker, Um, with some of his outreach with churches and um, community groups to educate homeowners. One, educate homeowners how to not lose their house because as you said, some people over budget and they need to not be in foreclosure. And then in a second part of that is educating home buyers as to purchase a home and keep it and not face financial troubles and hardships because nobody needs that stress. Um, And again, back to enriching our community, right? And we do believe in each one, teach one. So I would recommend first-time home buying seminars. Look it up. Look in your neighborhood. Ask people who own in your area. Speak to the local realtor, speak to the local mortgage banker, even where you bank. That's where all your money is, right? Ask them, do you have a mortgage banker here? Do you have a financial specialist or strategist here that I can speak to? I'm thinking about buying a home. I just want to look at my account and see where I am. Literally, like you said, forcing yourself to ask those tough questions to understand your financing better. Um, we at Citizens International Realty, we do a semi-annual home buyer seminar. And um, we have attorneys come out. We have mortgage bankers come out. We have NHS come out and talk about their home buying grants. And we also have an appraiser there because there are costs to buying a house. It's not just can you afford the house. There are inspection costs. There are appraisal costs. There's title search. So there's other fees that people don't understand. And all those things coupled are essentially called closing costs. so all these things add up in addition to just having your down payment. So people need to understand that. So definitely getting educated, asking the tough questions, meeting with your realtor and being honest. Don't just call a realtor and say, hey, I want to see a single. I want to see houses. take me out Sunday and drive me around all day. Actually, let them know where you are. And a a realtor worth their time would ask you those questions to understand mm-hmm. if you are qualified, if you are pre approved, and if you are really starting the process or if you're just ready to look, which you can do from the comfort of your own home through online. many websites. Yeah, you could just start to look online. You don't have to look in person. Um, but yeah, definitely um educating yourself through questions and seeing how many educational resources you can tap into wherever you live. Mm-hmm.
0: So Pedro, you've given yes. us a ton of advice for, you know, someone who's buying their house, things they need to have, you know, having their documentation, having their finances in order, attending the first-time homebuyer seminars, um, going to your bank to ask questions, asking questions, asking questions, start looking online. Here. um but is there anything else that you would want to just from a, you know again from your personal experience that you would want to tell someone who is um buying their first house who's never done this before
1: someone who's never done this before i would tell them to take their time like you said don't rush into it yeah yeah take your time definitely do the research do the homework i would hope that um, the women listening are women or men <laughs> listening are part of your program to really understand their financial screenshot, to understand where they are, where they want to be, what their long term goals are. As you said, and my 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 honest advice would be: take your time, be honest with yourself, and be honest with the people that you're asking the questions with. Let them know. Listen, I just co-signed a loan for my brother. How? What do I do? Or I'm thinking about doing this, or I need to move this money from here. Or I'm not, I don't have enough, or I don't think my income can qualify, but I'm a good saver, or I make a lot of money, but I'm not a good saver. How can I get from here to there? What are your long term goals? Understanding the longevity of it and the fact that it is a long term investment. Most loans are 30 year loans. Yes, you can sell at any point, but understanding that you should be in it for the long haul, you should be in it to. Keep that property for at least three to five years before you move on, unless you're just buying to flip and whole different um, whole
0: different ballgame. It's
1: <laughs> a whole different ballgame. Ah, oh, totally different. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Taking your time and 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 asking the hard questions. Absolutely.
0: One other thing I'll I'll just add to what you said from a, you know, personal finance perspective is one mm-hmm. thing many people forget is that. Yes, you will qualify for the house. You will get your credit in order. You'll get your down payment. You'll find an amazing real estate broker. You'll purchase this amazing house. But on the other side of that, once your broker is gone, pedal is gone. She's like, hey, to out. You your house, <laughs> <laughs> Your bank account is depleted because they took the down payment. You need to, as mm-hmm. you're planning purchasing your home, one thing you need to have. Yeah,
1: have reserves.
0: Other, other side of the paper exactly is. What is it going to cost you to move into this house? That's getting the U-Haul, packing up all your stuff, moving across state, across town. What is it going to cost you to set up this house? Which means if you're in a one-bedroom in your parents' house, you need to have a couch. You need to have things, you know, TV, all these things that you need to be mm-hmm. comfortable the way you've imagined in this house. What is it going to cost you? And can you afford that? Are you going to move into this house and start eating ramen noodles and sleeping on the floor mm-hmm. and nobody can come see you because mm-hmm. you can't afford to furnish it? The other thing is you also want to keep key considerations in mind So your real estate broker, people like Petra are going to be giving you information about this house. This house is 20 years old. This house last had its roof replaced 15 years ago. This house, mm-hmm. they're going to, the water heater is this age. Given what you know about the house, right? What expenses do you need to start planning? Do you, expect? To purchase? Mm-hmm. you know, if, if the roof is 10 years old, then you're okay. You're kind of in a safe space because, safe space because roofs don't need to replace. Only need to be replaced every 20 plus years, right? But if your right. water heater is at the end of its life and it's hanging by a thread and the age already tells you that this water heater can go anytime, how much is it going to mm-hmm. cost you to get that replaced or have a home warranty in place to cover the cost of that? If your air conditioning is X years old and you know that, okay, based on... After doing your research, after attending those seminars and getting yourself educated, you know, that, okay, the average life for air conditioning like this is X years. You know, you need to start creating a home, a home buffer. Like you have an emergency fund for your life. Agreed. You need to have a fund for your Agreed. house. Because the one guarantee yeah. that I will guarantee you. is <laughs> Something is that, going to break. 100%. Doesn't yeah, matter something's going to break right away. Doesn't matter if your house yeah. is years old. There is... Yeah. And anybody who's listening, you can hallelujah to this. If you own a home. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Something, yeah. <laughs> something will break down. Yeah. I promise. Something
1: will break. Yeah, it will. It will. And you have to make sure you have that res- those reserves. You must have those reserves. Um, from the bank's perspective, they, they 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 call it reserves because they want to make sure that you have three to four months worth of mortgage cushioning. Mm -hmm. But you should also, as Bola said, have reserves in case, you you shouldn't be completely tapped out at zero after you close because something, look at the weather today, it's three degrees. So if a pipe bursts in that basement there's no one to call anymore. There's no landlord. There's no mom and dad to call. You have to fix it and you need to fix it quickly. So you have to have the reserves. And like you said, the emergency fund, personally, you have to have your home's emergency fund ready as well for if something like that occurs. Just being ready.
0: I was talking to a friend, um, went out to dinner with a friend last night and they Mm -hmm about a home that they purchased years ago and they sold but you know they were were talking about basements flooding because you know some parts of where we live have Mm -hmm. flood areas but we don't live in one but anyway you know they had purchased a new construction i believe and um one thing i didn't even know was that when you purchase a new construction it takes a while for the house to settle for the foundation to settle for the house kind of sink into like its space and so their house settled and there was a water pipe that connected from the outside to the to the inside of the house through the basement and when the house settled the the i guess i don't know what the the term is but the connection point between the pipe outside and inside clicked open broke mm-hmm. and their entire basement flooded oh. Oh. you know on a new construction so you always have to be prepared and you know when yeah. it, for those of you who have had your basement flood or ex- experienced heard about other people's experiences that's not a cheap um
1: no, not at all. In addition to that, that's why we um we do home inspections. I don't ever sell a house to a buyer. Even if they say, oh, no, I don't need a home inspection. I love it. It's my dream home. It's perfect. I'm like, yeah, you have to shell out a couple of hundred dollars and get a home inspection. A home inspection, I always compare it to a physical at the doctor where they're going to do your blood work. They're going to give you x-rays. They're going to make you cough. They're going to put stuff on your chest it checks the bones of the property. It's going to check the roof. It's going to check the life of the boiler. It's going to check the hot water heater. It's going to check the walls. It's going to literally, there are machines now that the home inspectors put on the walls in the basement to see if there's any moisture behind the wall or in the back of the wall. Because if that seller just had a flood or a leak and they just painted over it, you won't see the watermark, right? But the wall will still be saturated. The um, sheetrock. And the plaster will still be saturated for a long period of time after a flood or a leak or any water damage. So they do that They measure the actual square footage. They check the piping. They check the um, pending. In Brooklyn, we don't have much pools, but in Jersey, they may have pools. They check the pool. They check the air. It's so many things. So you have to do a home inspection. A home inspection is very, very important and not something to be skipped when purchasing a house.
0: Oh my God, personal story. So home inspection, right, may cost mm-hmm. you $200, 300 $1,000, whatever the cost of that home inspection, Depends. Mm-hmm. You, must, you must do it. Do not take the time. No. I'll tell you our story. So when we purchased this house, fell in love with the uh-huh. house, um, and we live in a township where um, we have a septic in the back, buried in the ground. Okay. Shelf life Mm -hmm. on septic is about 10 years or something. And so during our home inspection, which we did get, it was raining so heavily. And when it's raining so heavily, Mm. there's some elements of the home inspection that cannot be completed, including checking septic. And so it was raining steadily for about three weeks. Like they need a period Mm. of a few dry days to check the septic. It was raining, raining. And our home inspector was like, well, you know, it doesn't really seem problematic, but you should still do the inspection. Our realtor was like, oh, if it doesn't seem problematic, you know, you shouldn't do the inspection. And then my our inspector was like, well, you know, he's moving on to other properties. Like, it kind of seems okay. And I was like, you know what? Something in my gut told me. The, the homeowners, oh, bought the home from, were like, oh, the septic is fine, you know. You don't need to do the inspection. <laughs> he just kind of looked at it. And in my mind, I was like, I told my husband, we're gonna do this inspection. So we delayed Mm -hmm. our closing. We had to move out of our other place. We moved into a hotel, and we're like, we're going to stay in this hotel for a week until we get this inspection done, and then we'll go right into closing. The rain stops. Dry. Mm -hmm. It dries out. They check the septic, and the septic fails. And not only does it fail, the septic needed to be replaced, which was a forty thousand (laughs) dollar. A forty thousand dollar so the septic oh is in the, back, the backyard they had to dig out the entire back because it's
1: buried yeah, yeah
0: place the septic we were in a hotel for nine weeks with my kids wow. and we were not even in one hotel because it was in the summertime and you know soccer teams were traveling we couldn't get one booking we were in one of those hotels that we needed to have like a little kitchenette because we had small kids we had to right, you have children three times i was there was so much stuff in my car. We had to move from our apartment into storage and then from storage, go to the storage and get things. It was a mess. But <laughs> oh, even the cost of the hotel, I think for those nine weeks, the hotel cost is about six thousand dollars. Still does not compare doesn't it cost, to the, yeah, $40, not even the same cost realm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we would have replacing if, the subject tank. if we had closed without checking that. Yeah, so six thousand dollars is a lot yeah. of money, but when you think about it, nine weeks, you know, okay, that w- that was two rent payments. We would have had to pay rent anyway wherever anyway wherever. Anyway, right. So right. that that was like, you know what, this six thousand dollars is not lost because we are living in this place. But we you live know, there, yeah. We had our mortgage to pay and then we get hit with a forty thousand dollar forty thousand dollar call. Yeah, those those kinds of things can and can not send just someone spiraling. Once that septic got dug out, they had to over also cover the cost of landscaping and planting grass right. for a backyard right. back good. over it. That's right. another two thousand dollars.
1: Oh my gosh! So home inspections—you'd right, had a hole.
0: <laughs> I went to that closing mad as hell when I saw those. Like, yeah! You told me I'm still gonna buy this. But house, it's fine, but you mm-hmm. told me that it was. Okay.
1: Mm-mm. It was yeah. Like- I tell people all the time, cough up the money. Get like I said in Brooklyn. It's 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 a different kind of property than out there. But get the chimney inspected. Get the pool inspected. Get everything. every get the radon inspection. Get everything inspected. Come back with a pay for it and the black. Yeah, light. Come back. Get the attic. <laughs> get the attic inspected. I had a, a, a situation where they were like, oh, the attic's blocked. We have so many things there. I was like, okay, well, when are you going to move it? We'll give you 72 hours to clear out the space so the inspector can come back and have space to the, to reach the attic. Like, mm. it's just, it's it's insane to me that people think, oh, well, I, you can't get access to that. So it's okay. No, you have to make everything accessible, Mr. Seller. And the inspector has to have access to it. To give these people a full report. And based on the report, you make your decision. I am not saying to any purchaser, oh, the the boiler's on its last leg, don't purchase, or the hot water heater, or the roof has a leak. Either you negotiate, and if the seller really isn't willing, you have to make the decision of, is it that serious to me? You know, can I put the $2,000 to fix this because I love this home? I want it. I've been searching for a long time. Or, Am I going to walk away and take my chances and continue to search? Because every house has everything. There's something, you know, no house is perfect. So it's just making the decision of the opportunity cost. That's really what it is.
0: Just, you know, last point, going back to what I said before, you know, there are different types Mm -hmm. of people out there. You're going to meet amazing brokers like Petal. And. You, know, you may have yeah. all the right people on your team, but on the other team, the person who's selling the house, they may have people who don't really care about you. And it's, you know, for me, mm-hmm. The real estate agent was like, on the other side was like, you know, this house is not going to be on the market long. You should just close. You should just close. And it was like, you Mm -hmm. know, that little devil's whisper. (laughs) Just do it. Mm -hmm. it. So when people are telling you things like, if you don't feel comfortable, you feel like, okay, I need to go in and lean on all the walls. I need to get this check, that check. I need to, you know, double check. And they're like, oh, it's not going to be on the market long. It's not going to be on the market long. You have to go. There's two offers, seven offers, whatever. Mm -mm. It's okay to walk away. It's yeah, okay it's fine. Yeah, away. there are so many incredible houses. That houses, house,
1: yeah. Your house is for you. Yeah.
0: Find it again. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so pedal. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> changing, changing gears a little bit. I want you to share. What are What is one of your favorite real estate or personal finance books?
1: Um, one of my favorite personal finance books would be "Secrets of the Millionaire Mind" by T. Harv Eker. It's a great book. I don't know if everyone, you know, people should read that. it. That's an awesome um, book. Yeah, it's an awesome book and I would recommend it. Um, not just for real estate, but like you said, just for
0: personal finance, period. Yeah. So I'm going to add the link to that in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And I will oh, love... thank you. would <laughs> love for you to share <laughs> what is your Clever Girl superpower?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my Clever Girl superpower is that I'm compassionate. I'm compassionate and I'm strong. I um, I do my best to really just sim- live by the simple golden rule. Treat others how you would like to be treated. I am a wife. I am a mother. I am a homeowner. I am a business owner. I, um, I hold myself accountable. I hold my team accountable. And I hold my clients accountable as well. So I just expect to be treated the way I want to be treated and I treat people the same. So I would definitely say that my clever girl superpower would be integrity, compassion, and strength.
0: I love that. I love that. And Petal, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge. Um, you know, we have-
1: You're welcome. Listener. Thank
0: you for having me. <laughs>
1: thank
0: you. We have a big listener um, crew from New York. Hey, New York. And so- Hey, New, New York. Hey Brooklyn. hey, Brooklyn. Hey, <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm in Jersey. Hey Jersey. all right <laughs> Hey
1: over the hey over the tunnel, over the bridge. Whatever, Hi. New Jersey.
0: <laughs> Hi, guys um, Hi, Jersey. <laughs> but I'm sure some folks will want to, you know, come see you, come talk to you, but also keep up with what you're doing. So please tell us how we can find you online.
1: Sure. Um on our website. Citizens, international realtycom through all of our social media channels. We're on Instagram at Citizens International Realty. We're on Facebook at Citizens International Realty. We're on Twitter at C-I-R C-I-R Realty. We're on LinkedIn, Citizens International Realty. And I'm on those websites as well. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Petal Van Rossum. And um, yeah, come and join our social media group and follow and keep up and we do Facts Friday where we give some great information. Um, we try to keep up with our stories so you guys know about new listings in and around Brooklyn and in around in, in and around town. And, um, yeah, everyone's welcome. We are here for all of your real estate needs. And, um, yeah, we set up buyer consultations. We have a seminar coming up in the spring. We will post about that. We're going to be at DC37's um Like I said, one of the largest unions in New York. We're going to be there in early March. They have home buying seminars about maybe four or five times a year. And we are one of their preferred realtors. And we go and speak to people about purchasing and keeping their homes and what they need to do. So definitely through our website and our social media channels, You can definitely keep up with me and our team at Citizens International Realty.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge, Petal.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Bola, for having me. Thank you, my clever girlfriend. Thank you.
0: So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Petal and if you did and you enjoyed the episode and you're loving the podcast, please subscribe. You can do that on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and also on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel and be sure to tell your friends about the podcast and don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes so that other amazing women just like you can find it as well. I'll be back again soon with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for listening.